Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live right here from sunny Central Florida at our studios here in Daytona Beach. Good to have everyone here today uh, for another day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice and be glad in it. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, go to our website located at www. Dot biggrace.com. That's www.biggrace.com. And you can get more information on Raven Ministries International. We're here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for an expository teaching in the Word of God. We're currently involved in a study in the book of the Revelation, the final book. Uh, in the Word of God, uh, the unveiling of Jesus is kind of the way we like to put it. And this is our, going to be our 33rd class today. But if you've not been a part of our previous classes, these classes are being made available once again by going to our website and clicking on Raven Institute. And you can uh, actually download those classes in MP3 format uh, to your MP3 player, your iPod, your computer, however you want to do that, and listen to those at your leisure. Uh, burn them onto a disc, uh, distribute those, however you want to do that. You can actually put a, actually embed that player into your uh, blog or website and, and have those available to you all the time. Forward those. However you want to do it, those things are available to you, and I think you would really be blessed to be a part of that. Also, you'll find on there coming up in the next week or so, we had done a class uh, on the book of Romans, 197 hours, uh, and we're going to put those back up there so they'll be available once again as well for anyone that would like to study the Roman letter uh, too. Really, really good stuff, and it really provides a good foundation for your study in any of the, the books of the Bible. So those are there, and we thank you so much for, for uh, being a part of this. If you have prayer requests, uh, we're in the in the midst of a uh, lengthy period of prayer and fasting here and uh, with our teams, not just in Daytona Beach, but across the uh, across North America as well. And uh, if you have prayer requests, send those prayer requests to pray, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com, pray at biggrace.com. We want to lift those prayer requests up to the Lord Jesus Christ, believing for the salvation of your loved ones and, and for healing and whatever it may be that you need in your life. We just believe that, that, that God is a God that answers prayer. And, and especially if uh, two or three agree is touching anything here on earth, that the same will be done in heaven. We believe that God honors our, our faithfulness, not only just to pray, but to pray together and to pray in agreement. So if you have prayer requests, send those to pray at biggrace.com, and we'll love to include those in our uh, daily prayer times. Also, if you have questions regarding the teaching on the book of the Revelation, uh, send your questions. We'd love to have your input, anything you want to uh, ask or maybe clarification or something along those lines, you can send any of those to raven at biggrace.com, R-A-V-E-N at biggrace.com, and we'd love to answer your questions on our study in the Revelation. Also, if you have other biblical questions, uh, whatever it is, biblical, you need seeking some type of biblical counsel, uh, send those to raven at biggrace.com. We'd love to answer those questions. We may not answer them on the air if they're not uh, in relationship to our present study, but we'd certainly uh, correspond with you privately uh, through email, telephone call, however you'd like to handle that. So once again, good to have you with us today. Don't forget questions, raven at biggrace.com, prayer requests, pray at biggrace.com. Uh, go check out the website, B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. We'd love to have you part. For you guys that are listening to us live, uh, we are gearing up in just the next few weeks, really about six weeks from now, we're going to be taking our, I guess, 14th team into the city of New Orleans for our annual uh, outreach to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And uh, we've been taking teams there since 1996, and, and we're going to be gathering there once again. Because, folks, listen, we're here and teaching this word not just to be hearers. 
And that's the key right there. You know, James tells us not to be just hearers but doers. Otherwise, we're deceiving ourselves. And so when we come and we, we, we sit together and we study the Word of God, it's to equip us for the work of the ministry. And according to, to 2 Corinthians 5.20, our ministry is as uh, ambassadors for Christ, as ministers of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation to be ministers of reconciliation. And so what you get in, in this environment, in a teaching environment, is really to enable you to be more effective out in an evangelistic and soul-winning environment when you go out and touch people for the kingdom of God. And we're going to be talking about some things that are really uh kind of relative to that today as we continue into our seventh chapter. But uh, we'd really like to invite you. That, the dates on that is going to be February 20th through the 24th in New Orleans. And uh, we'd love to have you a part of that. If you want more questions, once again, send any of your questions, even regarding our Mardi Gras outreach to Raven at BigGrace.com. If you are a veteran soul winner, if you are new to that, if you've never done it before, this is for you. We go out and we'll have a team of you know 125, 150 people strong. And we work as a team and as a unit. And so you'll have an opportunity to continue to be equipped, continue to be trained, and to get out and to apply those things uh, directly uh, in an environment that's not going to put you somewhere where you're, uh, you're, you're not able to do it. You're going to be working with people that have done it, pastors and leaders that will help you along the process. So uh, you want to be a part of that, February 20th through 24th. Uh, there's no registration cost on that. You get to New Orleans, be a part of that. Uh, we'll house you, feed you, and uh, take you out on the streets with us and, and further equip you in that type of environment well. So I want to pitch that out there and invite you to be a part of that outreach February 20th through 24th in the city of New Orleans. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just ask God's blessing on this. And we're going to pray also. we got a couple uh, prayer requests sent up here this morning. Pray for Nick, which is uh, uh, Ed and Wanda Baker of uh, Canada's son, just for his salvation and deliverance. And also for uh, Antoine, which is Mercedes' son. Pray for him as well. And if you have any other prayer requests while we're lifting up these to the Lord this morning, put those on there. We'll pray for those specifically with you as uh, the body of Christ joins in. Father, we just thank you for this day, for a tremendous opportunity, Lord God, to just to come and to be equipped, Lord God. We want to, we want this to be what it really is, Lord God. We don't want it to just be another uh, Bible study, a time to. Uh, to, to be forever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, Lord God. Uh, but we want this knowledge, Lord God, not to, to, to just puff us up, Lord God, but we want it to equip us, Lord God, so we can go out in the love of Jesus and the testimony of the cross to build up those that are lost and dying. So, Father, today, Lord God, we, we want to gather and glean, Father, from your word, something inside of us that's going to stir us, Lord God, for what you've created and called us to do, Lord God. Father, even in the Great Commission that Jesus gave uh, Every one of us in Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Father, we know, Lord God, that, that, that preaching the gospel requires the foundation of the word. So, Father, we're coming today to study to show ourselves approved unto you. We're coming, Lord God, that we might be ready at all times to give an answer to any man that would ask us, Lord God, for that reason of hope. And so, Father, as we come today, we ask you to fill our hearts and our lives. We ask you to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to move us, Lord God, with compassion, even as uh, your son Jesus, Lord God, was moved with compassion in Matthew 9 and 13. Lord God. So, Father, help us to see the multitude, to see people like you do, Lord God, and have that same type of heart for them as the Word of God comes alive to us. Father, we pray for those that are lost. We pray for, for these women, Lord God, that are, that are prayer warriors, that, that, that lift up their children, Lord God, their sons, and they're crying out for their salvation. And, Father, I'm praying in Jesus' name that you will do a work in their lives, Lord God, that, that Father, that... Uh, 
that you'll begin to convict the hearts of, of sons and daughters, Lord God, that you'll convict the heart of Nick, that you'll uh, convict the heart of Antoine, Lord God, that you'll convict the, uh, the, the heart of those that are away from you, Lord God, whether it's Jared, whether it's Daniel, Lord God, whoever it may be that is uh, struggling, Lord God, the young men or, or young women. Father, we're, we're calling, Lord God, our children in, Lord God, in faith. Lord God, believing that, that what's been invested in them is not going to return void, but it will accomplish all that it was sent to do. So we lift them up. Father, we pray for those that have been sick, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Father, for, uh, uh, for Donna's folks, Lord God, her mom and dad who have had uh, the flu, uh, we ask this for healing to, to happen, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a healer, that you sent your son Jesus to die upon the cross, and by his stripes we're healed. And Father, we pray for, uh, for Wayne Shiparsky's mom, Lord God, who fell and broke her arm, Lord God, on Christmas. We ask for healing. Lord God, just a, a, a rapid restoration of that arm. Father, any pain, any swelling, any lack of mobility associated with that. Father, we pray that it would cease and desist, Lord God, by the power of the blood of Jesus. Also for Denny Silva, Lord God, who's having open heart surgery today. And Father, we just ask in Jesus' name that you'll be there and guide and you'll lead. Father, you'll just, uh, your anointing will be there. Father, we rebuke any, uh, post-operative complications, Lord God, any infections, any staph infections, anything of that nature, Lord God, that would try to complicate Denny's surgery, Lord God. We ask for healing. Father, any else, Lord God, that have been going through difficulties, Father, we ask for your strength. Father, those that are in this season of prayer and fasting, we just ask that you'd strengthen them, Lord God, that you would, would be their encouragement. Father, the, uh, the, the, the Jesus said that, the, that they had bread that you knew not of. And Father, we pray that our bread will be the bread from heaven that comes down, Lord God, in Christ Jesus, that man does not live by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Be our uh, our bread, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you your power would come upon each and every one. Father, pray for uh, 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 Elva's dad, Lord God, and just ask in the name of Jesus that you would just heal him. Uh, Father, she said he's in need of a, a blood transfusion. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that the ultimate blood transfusion took place 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. And we're transfused as we're transformed by that blood. And we just pray, Lord God, for, for his physical body. We pray for his soul, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, just for a, a revival, Lord God, in that family to take place. Lord God, just a, a great awakening, Father, upon them in Jesus' name. Touch them, Lord God. Heal them. Bring restoration, Lord God. And we thank you for this day. Cleanse us, purge us, forgive us of our sins, Lord God. We don't want anything, uh, Lord God, to impede, Father, our hearing of the word today. Uh, Lord God, right now, nothing's more important than you. We sacrifice all those things, Lord God, all everything that's dear to us, Father, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And we come to your table today because we don't want to offer strange fire, Lord God. We don't want to come, Lord God, with our uh, with, with issues in our life. And we lay those things down and we come to you. And thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, your cleansing, your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And I, I think sometimes we get to praying for folks. Man, we could probably pray right on through the, this, uh, this study. But... Amen. Don't forget, keep praying. Send a prayer request. We want to lift up those things and we put uh, keep those things on the list, folks. You know, we've been looking at the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation in our, in our study, and you know, this this chapter is really kind of seventeen verses of you know we've, I've used that term a parenthetical or a kind of a descriptive statement uh, concerning really events that were introduced in chapter six and really that'll continue to be uh, introduced and talked about in subsequent uh, verses and you know we've we had been specifically examining those first eight verses uh, and discussing the identity of the role of that 144,000 as from the 12 tribes of Israel uh these 144,000 Jews folks really will will 
well, will be a people that will return to the role that was once Israel's role when, when God raised them up through uh, Abraham. But because of their rejection of Jesus as Messiah, that role that they had uh, was assigned during the church age, during the dispensation of grace, uh, to the Gentiles at the ascension of Christ, basically leading up to the day of Pentecost. And so that role will be the preaching of the gospel to the world, and they will do so in really a dramatic fashion. And uh, we've talked about this before, that this event is prophesied in Matthew 24, 4-14. And I want you to look at this in regards. This 144,000 people that were sealed, that were given an opportunity uh, to preach the gospel and take that message to the lost and dying. And so Matthew 24, 4-14, uh, I want to read that to you again. And it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that ye not soon be troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended, and they shall betray one another, and you shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures to the end, the same will be saved. Now listen to this verse that really corresponds with these 144,000. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. And so we've talked about many times the, the role of this 144,000 and what they're going to be doing. And that's it. You know, they're, they're the Matthew 24, 14 people that are preaching the gospel into all the, the world. Folks, listen, if the church had their Pentecost, if we had our Pentecost, and what they're getting is, uh, I'll use the term repentecost, you know, in relationship to repenting, and they get Pentecost all over again, where they drop the ball in, in rejecting the Messiah, God in His mercy is going to bring a continuation of that covenant. But not unlike the day of Pentecost, where 3,000 souls were brought to uh, salvation, uh, they're, they're going to see that same type of magnitude happen, which brings us to our verses 9 through 17 today. So let's look at this. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 7, verses uh, uh, 9. And it says, This I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palms in their hands. But listen to what he said. Let's look at that very first couple of words right there in Revelation chapter 7. He said, After this, after this. Remember, we were talking about the sealing of the 144,000. After this, folks, this is a word after. Here, it's the word meta, M-E-T-A. And really what it does, it brings a kind of a very descriptive element to the statement. And it denotes the meaning of accompaniment or a joining together of something through succession. In other words, as a result of this and in, in subsequent to this ceiling, I saw a great multitude. And here's the reason that this is so important. Is really what it does, it kind of reveals a great truth that we studied. Now, I mentioned that we had done a study on the book of Romans, and it really opens up and reveals something about what we studied there. Now, look at Romans 1, 15 and 16. Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. He said, So as much as in me, I am ready. This is Paul the Apostle speaking. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. To who first? 
the Jew, then also to the Greek. So here what we saw is that adjoining succession of the Great Commission from the Jew to the Gentile. And now what we see is the adjoining succession of the Great Commission from the Gentile back to the Jew during the Tribulation period. You know, we brought up a point a couple of classes ago, I guess it was, uh, a couple of classes ago, regarding just how that works, that you saw these Jews gathered uh, in number of 120 in the upper room, you know, praying basically for a time where they were going to go out and reach the Gentiles that were a multitude. And so they prayed that they had their Pentecost. Boom, it unfolded. Now what we have is the saints of God, the four and twenty elders, the twenty-four elders in the throne room praying what? For as a result of these Jews that are going to get sealed, that they're going to go out and preach the gospel to the multitude. And I brought up the point that was interesting to me is that you had 120 in the upper room, then you had 24 elders spoken of in the throne room. You take 120 and 24, that's 144. Multiply that 100-fold, and you got 144,000 doing a tremendous work. And so you see that that adjoining succession that's always happening, folks. That's why it's so important. You know, we're the body of Christ, fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. And while God has been faithful in providing these covenants, there's a, there's a duality of covenant, but the answer to both covenants and the ultimate end is going to be the same. It's going to be the worship of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said that he's been given a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, that every knee is going to bow, whether it's in heaven, whether it's in earth, under the earth, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the faithful thing about God is that he's providing the mechanism through the Old and the New Covenant, the fulfillment of the 70th week of Daniel, to bring to uh, fruition that exactly what he uh, promised. And so we see this joining uh, of the Great Commission from the Jew to the Gentile, and now we see it, the Great Commission from the Gentile back to the Jew during that tribulation period. And so another way of putting the term is uh, this after this would be to say as a result of this, which brings us to the question, as a result of this what? After what? Answer, after the sealing or the empowering and protecting of the 144,000 to take the message of salvation to the world during uh, really what's going to be a dreadful time. You know, what's really neat is to look at, at how they're not only going to be equipped but empowered and protected uh, uh, during their time of service. And, and folks, probably most of us that have any, done any type of uh, ministry, outreach ministry, street ministry, evangelism, missions, you, you can really relate just to that. I think about, uh, and I quoted this the other day out of Isaiah chapter four, uh, 54, 17, that you know, no weapon that's formed against us uh, is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, uh, he'll condemn. And that this is the heritage of... Of the servants of the Lord, and that our righteousness is of Him, saith the Lord. You know, I, I can I can relate to that. You know, you think about these hundred and forty-four thousand that are being released into one of the most desperate times that's that's unlike any other, nor will it ever be, to preach the gospel and with those type of results, folks. You know, when we see as a ministry with Raven Ministries and me, even personally. Where we typically see the, the greatest results is in some of the most desperate of situations. You know, we, we've seen it in the, the, the streets of, of New Orleans during a Mardi Gras where tens of thousands of people gather. We've seen it in the streets of New York City, a city of, of over 15 million people. We, we've seen it in uh, uh, Skid Row in Los Angeles, 25,000 homeless. We've seen it right there in, uh, in inner city Philly where uh, heroin alley and people are, 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 are bound by, by drugs. Seen it in inner city uh, San Francisco where 
all types of uh, types of vice and, and debauchery are happening. Folks, listen, I've seen it in the red light district of Amsterdam. Where the, in the, really, the list goes on. But in the midst of those things, God is always faithful. And even on a personal level, I remember one time when I was pastoring back in Texas years ago, that uh, late one night I was, I was praying in my office on a Saturday night in preparation for a Sunday morning and, and saw a lot of lights and stuff outside of the parking lot. We were in the, basically in the hood. We were in the bad part of town. And I, I walked out, and a local uh, gang had basically camped out and setting up in our in our parking lot. And uh, I walked out, and as soon as I walked out, a, a police car pulled up and shined his light, and he stepped out of the car, and he began to tell them they needed to leave the property. But right then and there, the, the, the Lord just prompted me, no, you tell the police officer to leave, leave the property because I've got a message for this gang. And this is probably you know 90 to 100 uh, uh, young people in this gang. And uh, so the police officer, you know, basically told me I was on my own if I wanted him to leave because they would probably trash the joint and may trash me. But, uh, you know, there was just no fear in that. So he ended up leaving and the, the, the leader of the gang said, yeah, that's right. This is our this is our hood. This is our turf. And I commenced to tell him me standing by myself uh, with the, the sealed by the, the, the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption, uh, told him, you know, it wasn't. And the only reason he was there because I allowed him to be there and ended up getting to preach to him and to this group of young people. And uh, the next day, you know, about a dozen or more were in service and several of them came forward and gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Was I afraid? Absolutely not. Why? Because. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And we're going to see that same type of testimony on this. You know, we we mentioned the outreach into New Orleans. You know, we've stood toe-to-toe with, with hordes of pagans trying to overrun us and seeing God glorified. You know, uh, we, we went through other... T- you know, tumultuous times, Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath on Rita and being right there in the midst of those storms and seeing God's hand and provision. Folks, listen, you know, if you're fearful about going out and doing the things of God, you need to be fearful about being disobedient when God tells you. I tell you what, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so if you don't want to do the things that God's called you to do because you're afraid of what happened, Really, you need to be fearful of where you're at in your disobedience because that's where judgment is. Protection is in the midst of my obedience. When I'm obedient, what do I have? I've got that seal upon my life. And so if, if it comes down to going to a, a, a bombed-out neighborhood, it comes to, to going to a place like New Orleans during a Mardi Gras, and you're bound by fear, chances are you're going to find yourself overcome, not there, but you're going to find yourself overcome right where you're at. And so this 144,000 got a hold just as we get a hold of right here in this dispensation of grace, the person of the Holy Spirit coming upon us to seal us, to protect us, to hold on to us, to empower us to do exactly what he's called us to do. Yeah, pension, Iberville, housing projects, all these places that you're able to go to under the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And we cease to be the intimidated and we become the intimidator. One more testimony. I was out and stopped a couple of young men that were gangbangers, had the whole uh, paraphernalia, their uh, the material, you know, their clothing and everything else on Bourbon Street one night, and I just stopped them right in front of them, and, and uh, as the Lord directed, and they told me, they said, man, you're in the devil's backyard tonight, and when I cut them mid-sentence, I said, no, you're actually, the Bible says that every place that the sole of my feet treads on is mine to take, and you just happened to be standing in my pulpit, and got to end up leading these two young men to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, the, the reason we don't take ground is because we don't ever go to that ground. But this 144,000, as prophesied right there in Matthew 24 and 14, are going to go out and going to take that ground. And so it says, after this, or as a result of this, or as this, this accompanying or adjoining succession of these events, I saw and lo a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. You know why they had, that te- they had the, the testimony of the multitudes? 
Man, when I say that this morning, I get kind of excited because I'm, you know, in this period of fast and prayer and preparation for our outreach into New Orleans. You know what? When we have the, the sealing of the Holy Spirit and we have the expectancy, we can have the testimony of the multitudes. We can have the testimony saying, you know what? I'm going to go out with results. I'm going to preach with expectancy. I'm going to have that desire that God said that I can go do it and that men's hearts are going to be broken and they're going to come to repentance and I can be a part of that. And so, you know, they had the testimony of the multitude. As a result of that, if I'm faithful, there's going to be a joining succession of success. There's going to be that, that that's going to bring about people into the kingdom of God. If I'm faithful and I pray and I fast and I believe God and I consecrate before my, him, before uh, myself before Him, and I keep myself unspotted for the, the world, then there's going to be this accompanying or joining together or the succession of events that are going to be the result of that. And so, folks, listen, if you don't have a testimony, the, the problem is is because there's nothing for it to join to. You know, there, there, there's nothing, there's no, no ceiling in your life. There's no obedience following up on that and going and doing the things God, God called you to do. And so if you want a testimony about standing flat-footed in front of a hundred gangbangers and preaching the gospel and seeing them get saved, what do you got to do? you got to seal yourself by the Holy Spirit through prayer and consecration. Then you got to go where they're at. If you want the testimony of standing and, and, and facing down uh, pagans in the streets of uh, uh, New Orleans and Jackson Square in the midst of witchcraft, what do you got to do? you got to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. you got to put yourself out where they're at. If you want to go in and, and face uh, uh, problems in the inner cities or whatever and see God deliver drug addicts, well, you've got to be sealed by the Holy Spirit and you've got to put yourself out there where they're at to get that type of testimony. You've got to join it together. And so that's exactly what these, uh, these, these 144,000 witnesses have done. And so, uh, after this, and lo, a great multitude, and uh, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palms in their hands. A great multitude, it says, that no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. You know, folks, I, I mentioned something before that bears repeating, is this multitude is not comprised of those who were raptured prior to the tribulation. Uh, and uh, in the road of the following passages we'll get into here in just the next few minutes are going to reveal this. They are the fruit of the preaching of the 144,000. And so write that down in your Bible somewhere. Scribble that down. This multitude is not those that came prior to uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. These are the ones that have come as a result of the preaching of this 144,000 sealed witnesses uh, of, of the message of Jesus Christ. They are the, the, the product of this. And here I want to give you some. This is exciting. And, and, and two, you know, as you read the Word, every time I read it, and even in this unveiling, something else gets unveiled. And something just, just today, early this morning, as I was reading, just kind of just looking at chapter 7 and reading it over, something just popped out to me that I want to share with you and get you to think about. It, in, in order to do this and talk about verse 9 here, I want to back up to verse 3. Verse 3. Matter of fact, let me just read 1, 2, and 3 together. And he said, after this, here's that once again adjoining succession. I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. And I saw the number of the angels sending from the pit, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to, uh, to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. I don't know how many times, folks, I've read that. I've obviously taught the, the revelation. But... Just this morning, man, something, as I really looked at this multitude in, in, in verse 9, man, something went bam. And so you're saying enough already. Show, tell me what the Lord gave. This is amazing. He said, hurt not what? Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, 
nor the trees, till I have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, earth is the word ga, G-A, the word ga. And here's what's so neat. And here's how the Lord does me. He always just kind of blows me away, gives me something, points me to another part of Scripture. In the parable of the sower, that word ga is translated as ground. Okay. Now, let me put that in perspective here in regards to this multitude. Matthew 13, 4 through 8. Matthew 14, 4 through 8. And when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places, where they did not have much earth, and, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now listen to verse 7 and 8. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But, verse 9 but some fell on good ground. Some fell on good God. Okay? And brought forth fruit, some a hundred, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. But some fell upon good God. Some fell upon good earth. Revelation 7.3, saying not, hurt not the earth. Hurt not the good ground. Okay? Hurt not what is about to bring forth some hundred, some sixty, some... 30-fold, some multitudinous fold. Isn't that neat? Now check this out. Hurt not the earth, neither the sea. Sea is used in Revelation chapter 17, verse 15, to describe a sea of humanity. Now listen to this, Revelation 17, 15. And he said unto me, The waters which you saw are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Hurt not the sea. Don't hurt the people, the multitudes, the nations, or the tongues. Until what? Until I seal this 144,000 to go out and preach the gospel. Now, don't hurt the earth. Don't hurt the sea. Don't hurt the trees. Now, trees also use the people in Matthew chapter 7, 17-21. Every good tree brings forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree does not bring forth good fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings forth not good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And so I back up and I look at chapter 7, verse 3. Don't hurt the earth which is Matthew 13, 4 through 8. Don't hurt the sea, Revelation 17, 15, nor the trees, Matthew 7, 17 through 21, until I have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. You know what he was saying? Withhold judgment upon the people until I've sent somebody to go and preach to them. Folks, isn't that, that is so powerful to me. It one, yeah, one last time. And so what you see is there is a great mercy accompanying a time of great tribulation. I could get up and run the, the aisle, so to speak, and get excited about just that and, and just how faithful God is to just show you one more time. Listen, and just, just really for me, just one more unveiling of, of just this passage of Scripture that I've passed over many times. But yeah, don't hurt them. Don't hurt the earth. Don't hurt the tree. Don't hurt the, 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 the sea. I'm withholding these angels that had stood there. Why? Because I don't want to see those people go to hell. I want to see those people in verse 9. And so the mercy of verse 3 ends up being the multitude 
of verse 9. Do I need to say that again? The mercy of verse 3 is the multitude of verse 9. And so, don't yet inflict judgment upon the earth, uh, uh, upon the sea, the trees, until I have sent these sealed evangelists to preach the gospel message to them. And they sure went and did it. They went and they preached that word. And after this, and, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, peoples, tongue. There's that Revelation 17:15 again. Stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palms in their hands. And so, clothed in white robes, we see the result of this preaching the gospel to the multitudes. And it's, it proves that they trusted in Jesus and they were cleansed from, from all unrighteousness. Why? Because that's who's clothed with white robes is those that have come to, to salvation. Folks, really what that tells you is when we, when, we, when we preach with expectancy, we go with expectancy, we can expect results. You know, I was, I was witnessing back on the streets, and a lot, of, a lot of my testimonies has come from those places. A lot of times when, when the Lord speaks to me, He speaks to me in the midst of kind of the battlefield, giving me kind of instructions. It's like having, you know, being out there, and you're the, the, the foot soldier in the battle, and the commander-in-chief is just, you know, uh, radio in these messages to you. And so I was there on the streets one time in, in New Orleans uh, on Bourbon Street, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and He said, You know what? Uh, my word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which I sent it to do. And he said, but what are, you, what are you sending my word to do? And I had to check myself. You know, because a lot of times we go and preach the gospel, we don't go with the expectancy of that word producing some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You know, a lot of times we preach the gospel with the expectancy of being rejected. We preach the gospel thinking to ourselves, you know, they don't want it. You know, we've got to constantly remind ourselves is that we have the good news, that we don't have bad news. We have good news. And, and the good news is that, that Christ came to, to seek and to save that which was lost. That right now that the Word says that God judges no man, but He's given all judgment into the hands of His Son Jesus, and that Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And folks, listen, there's not just 144,000 sealed evangelists right now. I tell you what, there's the people that the, anyone that would call upon the name of the Lord being saved, we've been commissioned in Mark 16, 15 to be the ambassadors of 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 20 to go out and preach the gospel. But we need to do it with the exact same type of expectancy that these 144,000 are. That way when we stand before Him, that we're going to have a part in another great multitude that's going to preface this group that's standing there in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. And so the Lord convicted me. He said, listen, I sent my word to convict of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Are you sending it to, to be rejected? Are you sending it to be received? And folks, I tell you what, and, and there, was a, there was that season, man, with that expectancy that just saw untold numbers of people. Uh, we'd be out on the streets hours and hours and hours and I think it was birthed out of the expectancy of God's word and taking that message and trusting Him and seeing God's word do exactly what it was sent to do. And it really, you know, it's, and it's something you've got to always uh, remind yourself of and encourage yourself uh, in your faith to be able to see that. And so I remember a message, though, that we talked about in the church of Sardis. And this is Revelation chapter 3, 1 through 5. Revelation 3, uh, 1 through 5. And look what it says here. It says, Under the uh, angel of the church of Sardis. Now think about this in regards to Revelation chapter 7, uh, verse 9. Angel of the church of Sardis, write these things, saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, and you as a name that, that live and aren't dead. Remember we talked about that, that Reformation church. But now here's what I want you to remember about the church of Sardis. And think about how this really is going to testify to that great multitude. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works to be perfect. Remember therefore how you have received and heard and hold fast 
and repent. Now jump down to verse 5 of Revelation chapter 3. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Folks, listen. This is a group of people that after the preaching of the 144,000, they're going to have to what? Remain steadfast. They're going to have to be strengthened like Revelation 3.2. They're going to have to be ready to die, Revelation 3.2. They're going to, and, and as a result of that, they will be overcomers that are being clothed in, in white raiment, Revelation 3. So five. And so this multitude are those that got saved. And we're going to get into some of the, the more of the details after we pass through chapter seven into eight and whatnot. The consequences of that salvation it's going to be a little bit different now. You know, we, 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 we talk about, you know, if any man would desire to be his disciple, that you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. You know, myself, you know, even though he said you'll receive power in Acts 1 and 8 uh, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be a witness, to be a martos, we get our word martyr from. You know what? I, I've never been in a situation where uh, somebody said, you know, renounce Christ and die. I've, I've never been in a martyr situation. Obviously, I've been in situations that in the natural they seemed uh, dangerous, but I know the destiny that God has for me, and so that wasn't my time. So a situation where it's either, you know what, next 30 seconds if I don't renounce Christ, these people are going to be in that situation. They're going to be in an environment where Christianity is, is basically going to be one of the most heinous crimes that you could commit uh, against this government of the Antichrist. And so they're going to have to, to be strengthened. They're going to have to be ready to die. They're going to have to be watchful if they're going to be overcomers. And what's glorious to me is now in this age of grace, and folks, it's glorious, but it's, it's heartbreaking and really disgusting and spiritually repulsive at the same time. In this age of grace, in this time of just unfounded, unprecedented mercy that God has given to us, we're not willing to even die to the flesh. And, and, and it's so easy for people to advocate their relationship with God for an offense, for a, a, a bad experience, for something in the flesh, through an adulterous relationship, through whatever it is. It's so easy for people to abandon that now in this time of great opportunity to serve Him and to know Him and to trust Him. But, and, and we won't do it now, but these folks, this great multitude, what's going to happen? They're really laying their life on the line just merely through their profession of faith. It's not like walking up to your traditional church and saying, listen, I want to give a profession of faith and sign the, 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 the baptismal robes and get dunked in water and I can go... About. No, it's, it's, if I'm coming forward and I'm, I'm putting myself out there, that it's not going to be followed up with a certificate that I hang on my wall. It's probably going to be followed up that I'm going to have to lay down my life for the sake of the gospel. And these folks aren't going to do it. A multitude that no man could number are going to be willing to do that. Can you imagine that environment, the spiritual environment, in the midst of this uh, tumultuous tribulation that, that people are saying, yeah, I'll lay down my life. Yeah, I'll lay down my life. Uh, I'll, I'll lay it down for more than you know, uh, the second helping of pizza. Or I'll lay it down for more than a, the, than a second helping of that, that, that extramarital affair or whatever it may be. I'm going to be willing to lay those things down for the cause of Christ Jesus. So it's really, it should challenge us now in, uh, in, in lieu of and in foreshadowing what's going to happen then. And so it says, I saw that, that multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, peoples, and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, that speaks of their, the, them being cleansed, them being washed, them being uh, sanctified through their faith. And it, had, it says they had palms in their hands. And so 
that event that the saints before God uh, of this uh, palm tree really is actually a picture of the Feast of Tabernacles. And Israel, really what they were to do is rejoice before God with, with branches for seven days. And the, the Feast of Tabernacles was a prophetic shadow, basically, of, of future events when the saved, they're both Jews and Gentiles, would stand before God's throne and celebrate their salvation. And so that, that's the picture of the, the actual representation of what the Feast of Tabernacles that the Jews practiced would. Look at Leviticus chapter 23, verse 40. Leviticus chapter uh, 23, verse 40. Did you ever think we'd find a way to get to Leviticus from Revelation? Amen. We'll, we'll find a way to tie it together, won't we? And it says, You shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willow of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. And so that was the, the type and shadow of what we're seeing fulfilled right here in the, the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation. It's, it's, it's the, the triumph. It's a, the, the palms uh, uh, was a type of uh, showing of victory. The palm leaves are, you know, what, we're, we're victorious. We've got victory over the, the, the beast. We've got victory over the Antichrist. We've got victory over sin. And so, folks, listen, there needs to be a spiritual palm waving in our, in our hearts all the time as we, we begin to cry out just as they did. And it says, and uh, they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation unto our God, which sits upon the throne, and uh, unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne in their faces, and worshipped God, saying, uh, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed with white robes, and where they come? And I said unto them, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are they which had come out of the great tribulation, and washed the robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, uh, they are before the Lamb of God, and serve him day and night in the temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. And so, here's, here's what's neat. What we see here is this, really in verses 7, excuse me, 11 and 12, uh, 10, it says, you know, and they cry with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Speaking of Jesus. Then in 11 and 12, we, we have this really a, a tremendous scene. And all the, the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders. And so that's the, 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 the church, the, the, the bride of Christ, those that were a part of the, the rapture, and the four beasts. That's those, those seraphim, them angels that, that uh, Isaiah had saw in Isaiah chapter 6. And now John is seeing those uh, right here in the 7th chapter of the book of Revelation. And they fell before the throne and, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might, and to God forever. Now, would you look at that, that really that, kind of that sevenfold worship that went forth. What did it say? It says, what did they say? They said blessing. They said glory. They said wisdom. They said thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. Forever and ever, and so look at that. Look at that. Uh, that sevenfold uh, type of worship, folks. Listen, that that ought to be how we worship God. You know, we're out of Hamasu. Look, Lord, Lord God, listen. We're, we're saying blessing. Think about the blessing that God has bestowed upon each and every one of us. You know, you may say, well, my blessing isn't as, as much as somebody else's. But think about just in, 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 in relationship to the righteousness of God, just the blessing of Jesus to us and glory. You know what? God does bless you. But do you glorify God in your life? Wisdom. God, listen, you, you, any wisdom that I have is going to be derived from my relationship with you. 
Thanksgiving. Everything about me, I want to give thanks. I want to be thankful in all things. Give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. What about honor? You know, an honor is really closely tied to the fear of the Lord. God, I want to honor you. I would not want to do anything that would be displeasing unto you. I wouldn't want to uh, have my life characterized by anything that, that, that wasn't representative of, of Jesus. Uh, power. There's that power to overcome. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be a, a martos. You'll have the ability to lay down your life. And might. Mighty is our God. Greatly to be praised. He's our, 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 our might. He's our, our strong tower. He's our enabler. He's our uh, the Ability to do those things that we can't do in the natural. Folks, listen, our praise and our worship, basically ought to, what it ought to do is it ought to be that sevenfold blessing of God. It ought to be, listen, everything about me, I have the ability to overcome. I have the ability to have victory. I have the ability to walk in righteousness. All because of the Lamb that sits upon the throne of God forever and ever and ever. And so all the angels have said, again, heaven rejoices basically over this group that is gathered out of the nations of the world. And, and this is the third time we will see the, the angels in heaven uh, that are going to be rejoicing uh, really in unison. We saw it in 4, 9 through 11 and uh, in 5, 9 through 14. And so John basically uh, demonstrates that this multitude is in heaven uh, lest any type of mistake is made. And folks, listen, we need to have that same mentality. We need to rejoice. In, in the souls. You know, I think about what the Word tells us. There's only one, one thing in the Scripture that says that causes all the angels in heaven to rejoice, and that's over one sinner coming to repentance. Now, if, if that's what caused it, can you imagine the scene that's happening here over a multitude of sinners coming to salvation? You know, I've talked to people that are quote-unquote a part of the body of Christ and, and shared with them about people coming to Jesus. And you talk about somebody repenting and getting saved or getting delivered. And many times in the modern church, it's almost like they just want to yawn and tell you, well, get ahead, go ahead and get past that. But you tell them about, you know, if you, if you went to them and said, hey, listen, I, I won a million dollars or I got a, somebody left me a, a great uh, uh, inheritance or, you know, I bought me a new car or I, even if I had a new baby, you know, people get excited. But people just do not get excited like this when somebody comes to Jesus and it's almost like they're, they're waiting for the, the, the other shoe to drop and say, well, you know what, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But folks, heaven doesn't function that way. When, when one sinner comes to repentance, that's the time that we rejoice. Not over our brand new building that we uh, made to warehouse all these saints that aren't going to do anything. You know, not on the repaving the parking lot, not over uh, our, our, our free trip to the Caribbean or whatever it may be. But it says that they rejoiced over this, this multitude of souls coming into the kingdom. And folks, we need to have that exact same type of mentality. And so everything, everyone stood up and basically began to, to give this clarion, clarion call of great blessing and glory and honor. Why? Because all those sevenfold things are what play a part in bringing every single one of us unto salvation. We need to be rejoicing with those that come into the kingdom as well. And maybe that's why people don't stay, uh, quote-unquote, saved. That's, maybe that's why people don't stay dedicated to God. Because... If we as believers that have experienced it, have tasted of that, that, that heavenly uh, fruit and that manna, if we're not excited about it, why should they be excited about it? If they don't see us seeing it as some this tremendous you know, uh, uh, transformation that God's making everything new, where's the staying power for them to say, you know what, listen, that person's known the Lord for a while and they're not really excited. Maybe this really isn't a relational experience. Maybe it's just a religious experience and they're just glad to get another name on the road. Folks, really, we need to watch ourselves and we need to be reflective of what's going to be happening in the future 
with the angels, with the, the seraphim, with the uh, uh, with the the, uh, the the great multitude that's there in that presence, rejoicing in in the presence of God. And so, and it says, one of the elders said unto me, "Who's the elders again? That's the body of Christ, the church, those that came that 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 were raptured in Revelation four one. One of the elders said unto me, uh, "Who are these that are arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from?" So he's, he's posing the question to John, who has been there, who's seen the unfolding of all these events, and all of a sudden there's a, a new group of people introduced. And John said to him, he said, Sir, you know. And he said to me, this elder, representative of the church, said to me, They are they which came out of the great tribulations and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So he gives a very descriptive uh, 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 term on who the, they are. They're people that got saved as a result of the preaching of this uh, multitude. And so the identity, though, of this group is a mystery to John. And so for those, you know, and again, you know, we talked about some of the things that, that make it difficult for uh, those that would teach a pre-trib, post-trib, whatever, anything but a, uh, excuse me, a, a mid-trib or a post-trib uh, uh, rapture of the church because it's kind of hard to keep up with your people groups if that been the case. Now, John would have recognized anybody that would have been a part of that first group that was obviously there, which we've we've shown through Scripture that there's this group of believers that are in heaven. Now, if they would have been part of that initial group, he would have known them because why? He had already seen that group of people. Now he's asking who these folks are. And so we see a, a subsequent event that has taken place in a new group of people introduced. And it says those are those that have come out of the great tribulation. So they are separate. This in gathering is a different in gathering than the believers that had been already previously raptured into the presence of the Lord. It says what it says, and they are they which came out of the, the great tribulation, and uh, they've washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so you know they're they're arrayed in white robes, and so they're they're given that 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 that, that the the righteousness of God. They're overcomers. That he says that they overcome, they're going to be clothed in white raiment. We see that they come out of that great tribulation, and now where they at? They're before the Lamb of God in verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him all day and night in the temple. And He that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. Now, this brings up a very, very interesting point. Go, if you can go all the way back. Let's go to the first chapter right here. All the way back to the first chapter. Chapter 1, verse 6. This is the introduction to the, the unveiling. And he says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood, speaking to the church, and has made us, what? Kings and priests unto God and his Father, to be glory and honor and dominion forever. Then we get up here into chapters 4, 5, and 6, uh, especially 4 and 5, and we see what? The manifestation of that. We see that we are seated upon thrones with God in a rulership, in a, in a place. He tells them, do you not even know that you'll judge angels? Fallen angels, of course. And so we as the body of Christ, what are we going to do? We're heirs together with Christ and we're partakers of everything that he's going to be a partaker of. But it says of this group, it, it says that uh, verse, let me find it again. They're before God and they serve him day and night in his temple. Folks, this group of people are going to have a very specific. Those tribulation uh, uh, saints, 
those that came out of that, they're going to have a different role than those that were blessed to be part of that first resurrection. Those that are part of the first resurrection are going to have a role, and they're going to have, if you, people hate to use the word rank, they hate to use this type of thing because they're like, oh, you know, in heaven everybody's just going to have the same harp, and everybody, folks, I wish that was the case, but the scripture just doesn't teach that. There's going to be different roles and responsibility that he's going to reward every man according to his works. He's going to, he's going to base these things upon what it was, and so as a blessing of being a part of the bride of Christ, we are going to rule with him as kings and priests. But it says these, their job, the task is going to what? To serve him all day and night in his temple. And so their role are going to be as temple services. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous thing. But they're going to be identified with that uh, apart from the ones that are seated upon the throne. And so I want you to see just the distinguishing characteristics of them. And as we get a little bit deeper into the Revelation, we'll see how those things really plan, pan out and even the role of the uh, of the Jews as, as the, the, the elect of God's first covenant. It says, They will hunger no more, neither will they thirst any more, neither will the sunlight on them nor any heat. Uh, now, what is that talking about? We, we looked at some of the things, terrible things that are going to happen in those, those, those judgments that are going to be poured out upon the world. And what was it? Uh, the, we, we saw the famine. We saw the heat. We, we, we see the, the sun upon them. We see their thirst. We see all those things that say, listen, that's past. That judgment's past. You went through those things. But no more are you going to have to endure that type of persecution or that type of element. Then, he says, for the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains. And so I'm, I'm immediately reminded in verse 17. You know, remember when he met the woman at the well? He told her, he said, you know, draw me something to drink. And uh, and he told her, he said, listen, you can drink from this fountain and you'll continue to thirst. But he called himself that living well. He said, if you drink of me, you'll thirst no more. And once again, that was a foreshadowing prophetically of what we're seeing unfolding here uh, in the throne of God uh, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. So in our next class, we're going to dive into chapter 8. And, and continue in our in our study in the book of, of Revelation. But I want to ask a question today, and, and I want to make a, a, a habit of this opportunity. I don't know who's listening today. I don't know who's going to be listening to this later. But undoubtedly, there's there, there's going to be people that, and, and maybe it's, it's you today, that don't genuinely have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That you've uh, you've stumbled onto this, or somehow you're listening, and uh, something just piqued your interest or caught your attention, and, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I want to be a part of that, folks. There's only one way. You know, there's not all these quote-unquote roads that lead to Rome. Jesus Christ said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. Uh, you know, we can try in our own efforts. You know, most of us have done that. I, I know I did. We can, we can do all these things. But, folks, until we come to the end of ourselves and say, Look, you know what, God, I've tried it all. Whether you're uh, 15, 18, 22, 32, or 42 like myself... Maybe you're saying to yourself, you know what, I need to have Christ Jesus come into my life. And the good news is, folks, here's what he said. He said, if we're faithful to confess our sins. And basically, sins are all those things we know deep down on the inside that are, that are wrong. They're contrary to, uh, to, to who God wants us to be. And they're, 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 what they do is they, they're, they're the, the, the filth in our life, whether it's a bad thought or a bad deed or whatever. But the Scripture tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us can measure up to him. All of our good works, no matter how nice, a sweet person you are, if you're a good husband, a good wife, a good kid, whatever it is, folks, none of those things measure up to the righteousness of God. And that's the reason that God sent His Son Jesus to be that substitute and to pay the payment for our sins. And so I want to offer this invitation to you today because here's what Jesus said uh, through His Word. He tells us if we're faithful to confess those sins, 
He'll cleanse us from all the unrighteousness and He'll come to our life. What does that mean? That means I've got to come to Him and say, God, I'm tired of trying to run my own life. That I, I've, I've made a mess of it to whatever degree it may be. And I need you to come in and be the Lord of my life. I need you to come into my life as my Redeemer, as that one that, that pays for the penalty, that takes upon Himself the judgment that I deserve. Because, folks, we deserve that judgment. And that's what Jesus Christ did when He died upon the cross. And the Bible says, if I'll confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, if I'll confess who He was, that He's, He's the only way that I have, and I'll believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead, that I'll be saved. And that's what really what you need to do today if you've never asked the Lord in Jesus into your life. I can't pray that prayer for you. I could pray for, I could pray for you, but I can't be the substitute for that. You've got to cry out to God, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a great flowery speech. You just need to call out and get serious to God and say, God, forgive me. I believe what Jesus did. Would you come into my life? And if you did that, he'll save you. And again, if, if that's you today and you want prayer or follow up on that, uh, email me, Pastor Troy at Raven at BigGrace.com. My name's Pastor Troy Raven, R-A-V-E-N at BigGrace.com. I'd like to hear from you if you want more information on that. But cry out to God, and he's faithful to forgive. Folks, we got to go uh, today, but we will be back tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another edition of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And uh, just believe in God for continued miracles and uh, an outpouring of His Word and a revelation of His Spirit. But i got one bit of advice for you today as we close out. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.